The We Can Do Better podcast airs every Sunday and can be found on SoundCloud or on our social media pages, Twitter and Instagram, by following at WCDBPod, that's WCDBPod, and clicking the link in their respective bios. Reach out to us by sliding into our DMs or emailing us at, yeah, you guessed it, WCDBPod at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. I don't know, man. Is this thing on? I don't know. Try pushing the record button. Oh. Welcome back to the We Can Do Better podcast. Finally, finally, episode 21. Let us explain. Uh, yeah, we've had, as as they say, technical issues. Yeah, um, so it's good to be back with all of you guys. Uh, basically, Thomas and I, we uh, took this winter break off. And uh, after that, we came back to Jenny Murphy, Room 306, Florida State University, and Tallahassee, Florida. Three, two, three, one, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know the zip code. But um, we come back and we go to whip out our uh, nifty recording what device. What are we whipping out? Our recording device, yeah. you know? That Tascam re- recorder. Yeah, that's what we use. Uh, the DRO5, you know? Yeah. Good old, good old DRO5 Tascam. And uh, we try to turn it on, but oy vey, Thomas, it looks like something's not working right. That is, yeah, that's right. We thought that it was fully broken. Um, I took apart, I took apart the casing. Nothing seemed to be, you know, wrong with it. We thought, uh, Houston, we have a problem, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So uh, Thomas is like, hey, send it to my dad. I'm, sh- I'm sure he'll, you know, be able to look at it and fix it. So, so we sent it to Tom Martinez in um, Zolfo Springs, Florida. Shout out to my dad. Yep, shout out to Mr. Martinez. And uh, tell him, tell him what happened, Thomas. Um, well, my dad told us that apparently we just forgot to turn one button on. And, um, yeah, uh, I guess that just proves how unexperienced we are at using this Tascam um, recording device. The DRO5. But you know what? Let's just pretend that, um, you know, somebody came in here and stole our recording device. And, you know, it was this big hunt. And we, uh, we, we have it back. We tracked the police. Uh, they tracked down that guy. And uh, it was a... Uh, it was a long trial. We went to court. Let's just say that he ended up worse than we did. Yeah, yeah. And, but anyway, we are finally back, and we are excited to finally talk about sports and our lives. Daniel, how is your how's your life? How's your life? Tell us. Tell them. <laughs> well, thanks, Thomas, uh, for such an emphatic introduction. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a great uh, winter break. You know, a solid uh, it's three it's three weeks. It's literally Jan- Feb- January twenty Jan- seventh. Yeah, it's um, literally March. Like, w- finals week is next week. Yeah. Uh, um, gosh, that would be crazy. Uh, it's been it's been good. It's been you know, school stress a little bit, but you know, uh, nothing nothing like uh, grasping some new reins. Yeah. You know, to start start a new semester. How about you? Listen, man. Um, you know, it's so early on in the semester, so you know we're not still fully in the thick of things. But you know, I've I've seen myself getting stressed over you know just having to do. A lot of tasks at once not necessarily you know oh I have a test tomorrow like let me study for that but you know I'm applying for a job to um, help fund my expenditures when I go to Valencia uh-huh. um, to study abroad this summer um, you know just doing a bunch of things for the FSVU writing article after article shout out to um, the FSVU sports section um, 
you could visit my Twitter. But yeah, you, you got our social media anyway. Um, yeah, I've just been doing a lot of things like that. Just been trying to keep it up with the gym. I wasn't able to go during the winter break. I know that you're trying to get back into the gym after all your injuries. How's that going for yeah, you? Yeah, so, uh, you know, guys, uh, over the last semester, I've had a, a lot of problems. Obviously, my shoulders are really bad and my knees are really bad. Over winter break, I went to physical therapy, right? It's it's finally happening. I'm, I'm coming back a little bit. The return, biggest return since LeBron went back to Cleveland. At, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm Daniel, coming. Daniel showed up to the leech um, the first day back, and people just they just stood from where they were working out and just gave him a standing ovation. It was yeah, incredible. I mean, I've never felt a crowd, you know, give me as much love as the leech did. Uh, and I, I went up to a mic. The, the, the trainers gave me a mic and a box to stand on. And, and they said, what the hell are you doing with this mic? Like, this is yeah, a gem. What and, are you doing here? And I... I they said, where did you get the mic from? We don't even have, you know, speakers connected to a, a separate mic like that, Daniel. And all I said was, I'm home. And I dropped the mic. And uh, I, we've been we've been great ever since. Winning record. <laughs> and, then, and, then I to- and then I told Daniel, why can't we just fix our recording problems with the podcast? Why do you have to, you know, go through this whole elaborate thing at the leech? <laughs> but, yeah. you know, that that's another story. Um, in terms of sports, I know that most... Um, you know, the biggest story, I guess, that I wish that we were able to cover on time was Duke FSU. I mean, the hype around that game, when that happened earlier this month, um, you know, we had Duke coming into ta- town, Zion Williamson, um, you know, Coach K, and Big Vitale, baby. I mean, it was a great game uh, between the, uh, the, the, the Duke Blue Devils and Florida State basketball. Let, let me tell you something about Florida State. Uh, Phil Cofer played well, but uh, the other guy, I mean, he played well. But, you yeah. know, um, you know, unfortunately, we lost that game um, 78 to 80. Because how, how did you? Cam Reddish. What was it with the situation on how we got into that game was pretty crazy. Uh, obviously, when FSU, being a ranked team, goes to play Duke, one of the best Duke teams to like come out and the top ten matchup, baby. Yeah, I mean, y- y- come on, it's, it get does it get bigger? Thomas and I knew that at five p.m. on Sunday, we would need to get our tickets. The Sunday before the game, because that's when right. the tickets come out. Right. So, five p.m. It's five oh five p.m. and I look at Thomas and we both think, oh my god, we just we missed the tickets. We jump on our laptops, figuratively, and. And you decided to forget your password right I for- then. I forget the- my password to my student ticket account. Thomas gets his ticket after waiting for like 15 minutes. It was a pretty funny situation, actually, because the website, um, you know, we were kind of in a waiting line. I mean, if you've ever paid for, if you've ever tried to get, I don't know, like Yeezys, for example, you know, you're put into a waiting line. And like, it'll pretty much tell you, you know, don't reload this page or else your progress will be lost in this waiting line. Well, I get a call from my cousin. Um... I get a call from my cousin. He tells me, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, reload this page. I know it's telling you not to, but you gotta do it. I did it, and I got my tickets. I did it, and I got my tickets. And I, I did got it. my ticket, my he, single his ticket, ticket, his single ticket. And then I did it, and still didn't get anything. So we thought, well, okay, Thomas is, uh, he's he he'll, I'm credentialed. He's he's credentialed. So. I have a press pass he, for all the FSU basketball games. So, yeah. So, we, he thinks, well, how about I just cover, you know, work on this game, and I'll give Daniel my ticket. Yeah. So, we get there. My cousin and I get there about two hours early, and I, I didn't actually work the game. You know, I just used the press pass because I didn't want Daniel to pay $200 for a ticket. But, anyway, the doors open. I don't know. The game started at 2 p.m. Doors open at 12.30 p.m., and I swear to you, 
it was an avalanche of Florida State students with by 12.32 p.m., like half the seats were full. Yeah. I mean, there and we, we, we managed to get a fifth row ticket by the grace of God. I, it was outstanding. And the most annoying part, though, was that I don't know how two kids so lackluster about college sports got a seat, the seats right behind us. Because literally, you're calling them out. I'm calling them out because I find I found this so annoying. We were just sitting there, right? We were standing there actually, and everybody was standing. It's the biggest game of the year, and these two kids were like, "Guys, can you sit down? Can I sit down? Can I sit, sit down? It's the biggest game of the year." And so yeah, we stood and um and we lost. But it, you know, the moral of the story was that it was a pretty crazy environment. And you know, up until two seconds remaining, we thought that we had just shocked the nation. Little did we know that Syracuse would do that a few days later against Duke. Um, you know who didn't shock the world? Novak Djokovic. Yeah, Novak Djokovic. Let's take it. Uh, let's let's go from you know almost being on top to down under Ooh. to Australia to the Australian Open. Novak Djokovic versus Rafael Nadal. The final this morning. Um, it was at three thirty p.m. So you know naturally, um, I set my alarm and I woke up Daniel at five a.m. to watch the match. Yeah. So basically, coming to this match. It was if Nadal won this Australian Open, he would be w- the only player or one of the only players he'd to be, win. Yeah, he'd be the only player since 1968, the Open era in tennis, to have won each four, each of the four Grand Slams twice, yeah. at least twice. And obviously, when you know you think of Rafael Nadal, you think of excellence, you think of athleticism, you think grit, of clay court. Dominance. Yeah, you think of the French Open, um, a monster. The Rafael Nadal Open. Yeah, pretty much. And when you think of the Australian Open, I mean, it's a hard court. That's pretty much Novak Djokovic's. You know his terrain, his, his yeah, his terrain. It's his home, basically. Um, he literally sleeps on that court. He does. His bed is made out of a uh, hard, hard uh, material. It's concrete. It's yeah. He sleeps on concrete. And the result was just as concrete. I mean, uh, what well, we we woke up and obviously Thomas and I were talking the night before, like, oh, maybe um, Djokovic and Nadal. Maybe Djokovic will blow him out. And we were like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> we were like, I was like, Daniel, there is no chance that Djokovic blows him out. We literally wake up. I turn on the TV, and we see the set point to the second set. Djokovic takes a 6-3, 6-2 lead. And I think to myself, damn, why did I wake up for this? Honestly, why did we, why did we wake up for this? But uh, this is going to be what? Novak Djokovic's seventh? or Seventh Australian Open and his 15th Grand Slam. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, how old is the guy? He's he's thirty one years old. And the craziest part is the craziest part is that when I started watching tennis, I started you know actually following tennis maybe two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. At that point, Djokovic had maybe five Grand Slams. He was probably he was probably like ten to twelve behind Federer. He's only five behind Federer now. And if Federer is thirty seven, right? Mm-hmm. And Djokovic is you know only thirty one, and he seems to be playing in his, in my opinion. In the best he's played because he's just dominating everywhere he goes, except for the French, kind of. But you know, yeah, maybe I, he could catch up. Is could he be better than Federer, who is right now considered the greatest tennis player of all time? I don't know. I mean, right now, Federer's at 20 overall Grand Slams, Nadal's at 17, Djokovic is at 15, um, and the next Grand Slam is the French Open, Roland Garros. So I don't want to say that you could book that for Nadal, but you could pretty much book that for Nadal. Yeah. Um, he wins that every every single year. So let's say that Nadal gets to 18 there. I still think that Djokovic is going to surpass both of them. I mean, he's only I, he's not that much younger than Nadal. I don't know the exact ages, but 
Djokovic, you know, he hasn't had the injuries that Nadal has had. Nadal's been battling knee injuries, foot injuries his entire career. And the, just the fact that he's gone to 17 Grand Slam is a miracle in itself. Um, and then Federer, Federer's 37. I think he'd be lucky to win one more Grand Slam at this stage in his career. Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're right when saying that, uh, you know, Novak is only 31. But And, and I think the, the injuries do play a big role. Nadal's 32, but... Only one so year older, one year, yeah. one year difference, but all those injuries, they age you. Uh, Federer, I think, you know, I've been saying this since um, the U.S. Open. I think Federer has, he's lost a little bit of a step. Like, the only player the only player to really do it, to stay as amazing as he is, every year in and year out, no matter how old you are, is Tom Brady. <laughs> and Pretty much. And basically, I think, I think Federer, he's going to slow down a bit. Well, let me tell you this. Before Federer reaching age maybe 32, 33 was like reaching 38 in another sport just because tennis players start at such a young age. And the same goes for Nadal. You see, I thought that Nadal was older than one year older than Djokovic simply because he started playing. He started becoming competitive, winning Grand Slams when he was 18 years old. I mean, Djokovic didn't win his first Grand Slam until Nadal already had like five. So... I think that, like you said, Federer, you know, you think that he's regressed a little bit. But the fact of the matter is that in today's tennis world, for Federer to win a Grand Slam, it's pretty much just going to mean that he doesn't have to play Nadal and Djokovic. Murray's retired, or he's probably going to retire now. And, you know, we've reached a point in tennis where it's, you know, it's one of those three guys. And all it will take is a lucky draw for Federer to win that Grand Slam. So that's why I'm saying that I think he could win one more. But, you know, I, I don't know if I would necessarily, you know, bet the family ranch on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you bet the ranch? I, I I don't think you bet the ranch, but uh, I mean, hey, maybe maybe bet like a quarter of it. Yeah, maybe, maybe you bet the Prius, but you don't bet the ranch. No, 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 no. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? I definitely I would not bet. The, I would not have bet the ranch on FSU versus Miami today. You would? I would have. You would have? I would have bet the ranch. Okay. I no, because I actually did predictions on this. All right, so we're flipping the script. We're going from down under, back on top. So you see, so we started on top, and then we went down under, and then we're going back on top. To FSU versus Miami basketball, they played in Coral Gables today, and as part of my role with the FSU, the newspaper, I predicted games this week, um, and I picked it. I picked FSU with reservation to be FS to be FSU. Yeah, they're gonna beat themselves. No, to beat Miami, sixty-three to fifty-nine in Coral Gables today. They won today. Um, I believe it was seventy-eight to sixty-six. Did not expect that. I came into this game. Uh, FSU. They've had quite a hard. They've had some matchups. Let me let me tell you that. Uh, we lost against Pitt, and that was not a good game for us. We sh- were, sh- were shooting so poorly from the field. We made probably I think less than five three pointers over like I think twenty attempts, and we lost our next game as well against um, Clemson, I believe. And we were also no, 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 it wasn't Clemson. We lost to Pittsburgh and then Boston College, and then that's we right. beat Clemson. And that's right. That's right. We lost to Pittsburgh, and then Boston College, we beat Clemson. And coming into this Miami game, uh, I thought FSU was going to win. Think about it. UM, they only have, what, six scholarship players? They, yeah, seven scholarship Seven players. scholarship players, and one of them got injured, so they only have six. If you can't beat this UM basketball team, then we did not deserve to be ranked. I thought after we lost to Boston College, I thought for sure we deserved to be, to, to be taken off that ranking. But coming into this young game, I knew, you know, Phil Kofer would be playing, uh, and you know, they would definitely have some 
some uh, some mojo back in making some shots, you know, feeding the ball to uh, Kevin Gelly and uh, making it happen, getting back to their old routine, something they needed to do. Uh, I think after this game, we're going to see a Florida State team with, um, you know, with some more chutzpah, as I like to say. Yeah, I like that. I like that description. And it's funny because I literally just wrote a recap on this at this Miami game. I finished 30 minutes ago. I sent it to the sports editor. And I will say this. Um, in the five games prior to our two-game winning streak, our two-game winning streak being that we beat Clemson earlier this week and then we beat Miami today, we beat both rivals. Prior to that game, we hadn't shot, I don't know, above 42% in a game in any ACC game this season. Same goes for three-point shots. We hadn't shot above maybe 34% from beyond the arc in an ACC game. Well, in our last two games, we are shooting over 50% from the field and over 52% from beyond the arc. So, you know, Leonard Hamilton, I was there um, after the Clemson game in the post-game conference, and he was saying, listen, guys, you know, I think we're a much better shooting team than we're giving off. Um, it's going to happen. We're going to turn the corner. You just have to wait and see. And, you know, we live in a world right now where, you know, it's it's just results. It's what have you done for me lately? Um, so, you know, FSU can only prove that by continuing to keep that up. What do you what do you think this team's ceiling is? I mean, seeing seeing how poorly we played, but yet seeing the, the game that was literally decided on a buzzer beater shot by Cam Reddish against the, you know, this this year's Duke team. I think it's hard to put a ceiling on this team because this team is streaky, you know? You know, one day this team will look like a top five team. The other day, or the next day, I should say, it will look like a team that deserves to be in the cellar of the ACC. I mean, it, honestly, it really depends on where the game is being played, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah, some days, you know, you're playing at the Tucker Center, they'll look great. You're playing on the road, they'll look awful. I mean, before today, FSU hadn't won a road game in the ACC in 358 days. Do the math, Daniel. That's, a little, that's almost a year. Six straight ACC losses, and they finally get one today. So, you know, I've been saying this since the beginning of the season. I think their ceiling, or I don't, I don't want to say ceiling, but I think where they're going to finish maybe around the round of 32. But I, it's hard to doubt a team that went Elite 8 last year. So for all I know, they can make it to the Final Four. Okay. It just depends on the state of the team once they get to March. I I, I, I agree with that. I think once you get to March, knowing how good your team is, the you know the chemistry between them. I also think they need to, they need to get their roles down. Everybody plays like a role player. And if you look at... At uh, you know teams that go and win it all usually, um, besides you know teams like that Loyola team or you know that Villanova team that everybody played just so well. Shout out to Sister Jean. Yeah, shout out to Sister Jean. Um, I think <laughs> I think this team needs to find a player they they need to feed it to most of the time and and you know pick a player to run an offense around because right now we seem kind of you know a blur with feeding it to Kofer whether or not Kofor's on or not. Um, and in my opinion, I think Kevigelli, number 25, he, I mean, the, the kid's a sophomore, and he put up 24 points, 10 rebounds, and he got three blocks and two steals against Duke. I mean, he also put up 26 points against Boston College and nine rebounds. I think this kid is going to be a real deal. I don't see why he's, you know, not starting over Kumaji. I mean, what do you what do you what do you think about this player in that situation? I've been saying this. I mean, I feel 
there's really no reason to justify why Kumaji is starting over Cavangeli, other maybe experience, you know, he's a senior, or the fact that, you know, he's seven foot four and um, Cavangeli six foot ten. But, you know, I, I don't even know if that fully justifies it because, uh, you know, Kumaji, he's a guy who only averages maybe five rebounds a game. Cavangeli seems to get that easily. You know, he's just more aggressive. I mean, I don't care what your height is. I care about how you go after those rebounds. And I agree with I agree with the fact that Cavangeli should be that guy. He should be the guy that gets the ball because he is so efficient. He leads the team 12.8 points per game and just 18.9 average minutes per game. I mean, he's not he doesn't even start. I don't know if he started a game this year. Maybe when Kamaji was injured, he did. But he's proven to everybody who has followed this team that he has been their most eventable player. It might end up being Phil Kofer down the stretch in March, but you know he's always battling injuries. So it's going to be tough to say. I mean, it begs a question. It begs a question. Um, you know what the nucleus of this team will look like next season when Kofer leaves. Kofer's like he's a six-year senior. I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. So he's a six-year senior. Terrence Mann is a fifth-year senior. Um, we're also going to lose Kamaji. David Nichols, who's been a pretty good contributor, uh, transfer from Albany this year. He's going to be gone. So I don't know. What do you think that the team will look like next year? I know that you're really high on this Anthony Edwards recruit. He's the number three overall player for next year. So I mean, uh, I am I am big about this Anthony Edwards kid. Uh, he's a top of the class recruit for the next year, and uh, I think coming in, you're going to look at a really good combo guard uh forward a uh, wombo combo a wombo combo as i like to call it uh between a, a guard and a, and a and a forward with uh Cavigelli and anthony edwards coming in obviously edwards is going to have to learn how to play in this system we're going to need some more role players as you know kofer is going to leave um terrence mann is going to leave david nichols is going to be gone but that always brings in fresh legs you know new faces to to make a team it can go either way uh our upside could be great with uh you know, Cavagelli being a monster that he is and actually starting, maybe getting more minutes, and Anthony Edwards being just a dominating, you know, prospect that's coming out. The ceiling's high, but I would hope for the best, but expect the worst. Well, what do you think of what you've seen from Anthony Edwards? I know you're a big high school, you know, highlight mixtape. Um, I love I love some high school pro- – Anthony Edwards – he can take it to the rack. The man is a monster. You, if he, if you need to seal out a game or you need shots, whether you need perimeter shots, you need to drive it in, uh, you need some lockdown defense. He's an all-around sh- strong shooting guard. I, I think he's gonna be great. I think that's something that we need. Um, I think he's a player that that uh, he's a he's a step above uh, what we have right now. I think he's a souped-up Terrence Mann in a way. Uh, I, I just see Terrence Mann as more of a role player. Um, but Anthony Edwards uh, is a man that you can give the ball to and he can get the job done. All right. Um, we know a lot about guards getting the job done on both sides of the end. Um, you know, now I'm talking about the NBA. I'm talking about the one, the only, number three, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade. You aren't going to get the whole one. Relax. The the Heat aren't that good. They're not that good to justify me doing a full Michael Biamonte impression. (laughs) But um, Dwayne Wade, um, he put up 15 today against what maybe the NBA's worst team, the New York Knicks. Um, You know, what are your thoughts about his one last stance as it stands right now? I mean, the Heat are 500 right now, but he's not going to the All Star game as of now. I mean, 
I you know like he said it he he said he doesn't deserve to be in the All Star game. Uh, as much as I'd love to see Dwayne Wade in an All Star game for the last time, I think I think he'll sneak in there. I think he will. Um, but I wouldn't expect it. I wouldn't hope. I would hope for it more so than expect it. Do you think he deserves it? Uh, I think I think he kind of does. I think he does in in the chance for what he's done for the NBA, for his career, for his team, uh, the Miami Heat. I think he deserves it. What What do you think? What, how do you see Dwayne Wade coming to well, the All Star game? If you're solely basing it off this season, there's no chance that he should be in the All Star game. I mean, he's averaging 13.8 points per game. He hasn't done anything to merit that. Um, and while that does come in a small sample size, he doesn't play too many minutes. Um, there's no chance that he could be compared to a Kyrie Irving, to a Kemba Walker, to any deserving guard who starts meaningful minutes in the NBA. But, you know, as you said, this is a three-time NBA champion, you know? He is, I would say, a top-two shooting guard of all time. Um, yeah, I'd take him over Kobe Bryant any day, any day of the week. When he was at his best, he was better than Kobe Bryant. That's another story. But it's a fact. Um, and if Kobe, you know, in his last season, when he was averaging 15 points, jacking up, I don't know how many shots per game, if he made the All-Star game, there's no reason why Dwayne Wade shouldn't. If Magic Johnson makes the All-Star game without playing a single game that calendar year in the NBA, there's no reason why Dwayne Wade shouldn't. I think he should, without a doubt, be. not only should he be in the All-Star game, I think that when LeBron James gets his first pick, and that televised draft that everybody's hyping up, I think that he should take Dwayne Wade number one overall. I, I agree. I think it's a, show, a sign of respect. Uh, you know, he deserves it. Yeah, and not only is he, you know, as I would say, number two shooting guard of, of all time, if it wasn't for Dwayne Wade, LeBron James wouldn't be as good as he is today. Without No player has been more meaningful to LeBron James' development as a player and as a superstar who could be considered along the likes of Michael Jordan, nobody has been more important to his career than Dwayne Wade. Amen. And and so, you know what? Just for that alone, for giving the NBA that gift, um, that gift that has been translated in so many ways, whether it's ratings, um, whether it's you know more people wanting to play basketball because of LeBron James, because of Miami's big three, you owe it to Dwayne Wade. I mean, I, could care, I couldn't care less about a Bradley Beal I couldn't care less about even a Kemba Walker. I mean, th- those players are irrelevant compared to Dwayne Wade. Yeah, talking and talking about a player that seems to be anything but irrelevant in today's NBA. I mean, the monster, the offensive playmaker, future MVP, really. Future two-time, two-time MVP. MVP, really. Um, that's yet to be announced. James Harden has just been. I mean, he's been knocking down. It, he hasn't had a game under 35 points in this past week and his his high is of 61 for at the Knicks. No, I saw that he scored at least 40 points in 8 games this month. That's ridiculous. Yeah, he's been on a tear. He's, he's been on a tear. I think he's averaging like 36 points right now this season and I I don't I it's just it's insane. This guy is just he's doing it all. Um Chris Paul is coming back uh this Sunday to play He's going to start, I think, or get in the rotation. I'm not sure, but uh, how do you think this offense is going to change? Do you think James is going to have uh, a harder time scoring? Do you think they're going to you know, get the ball out of his hands more to a player like Chris Paul who needs the ball in his hands? You know, Chris Paul's going to get the ball. He's going to get the ball, but I just don't know. When I'm looking at this Houston Rockets team, 
Like, sure, James Harden has been ridiculous, but, you know, the Warriors have maybe three players who can do that if they, you know, were playing on a team like the Houston Rockets. I mean, Mike D'Antoni has them playing iso ball. You know, whoever gets the ball, they just space out the floor and they just give that ball, give that player, you know, a one-on-one. So, you know, I don't know how well that's going to, how well that works in today's NBA. You know, I think they got lucky to get the Warriors to seven games last year. I just don't think that this team, and keyword team, I don't think that this team is good enough to do anything. Um, Maybe James Harden, if he was on a better team, he could. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that at the end of the day, I don't think that they get it done. Yeah, I agree. Uh, You know, when James Harden has to play teams like the Golden State Warriors and, you know, teams um, like the Boston, not Boston, because they're in the East, which is another story to talk about if Boston can make it out of the East. When they're playing, you know, teams that are that are like the Nuggets, that are actually showing up and actually playing. Uh, teams like the Lakers with LeBron James. Teams that may be more on their level, not on that of the Warriors. Exactly. Uh, it's gonna. Be, it's it's a schedule. It's all about scheduling. You know what I mean? So, um, with that being said, what the Houston Rockets will do, it's a flip of a coin uh, in the playoffs, whether James Harden really does get it done with Chris Paul or not. Most likely, the Warriors will take it all the way. Yeah, honestly, it, it's gotten to the point with the NBA, and the NBA's been like this for a while, where you don't even need to play the season. Just go straight to the playoffs. And I know this is an overused take by a lot of people, but you know, there's no reason for me to believe, for anyone to believe, that it's not going to be the Warriors, that it's not going to be the Warriors versus, I don't know, maybe the Celtics this year. That might be the most exciting thing about this NBA season. Um, you know, it's not about, it's not ultimately going to be about James Harden and how far the Rockets are going to go. It's ultimately going to be about who's coming out of the East when LeBron's not in the East. Um, LeBron's, you know, injured now, but there's no reason for me to believe that the Lakers aren't going to be facing the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. So, you know, until somebody else can prove me differently, um, you know, other teams are going to have to do better. You know, they haven't done better. They haven't shown up. It's been Warriors versus LeBron the last four years. Let's step it up, the NBA. And, you know, on that note, we're going to step it up. Daniel and I are going to step it up. We're not going to, you know, miss any more weeks. We're going to try to make it throughout this semester without missing another podcast. Because so. as, you know, as, as our name of our podcast goes, as the NBA can go, they can do better. We can do better. I'm Daniel Rauschberger. I'm Thomas Martinez. Good night. Good night.